This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Decoding the Unknown. As always, I'm your decoder, Simon. I'm still one of my writers, in this case, Danny. Thank you, Danny's written me. This script was so requested. Every, every comment section, I swear to God. So I was like, Simon. Denver International Airport. When are you covering Denver International Airport and the Illuminati who live underneath it? When? There's something about tunnels. I literally know nothing about this other than people are like, there's loads of tunnels under there and that's where the demons be. Ah, okay, Danny, go for it. Write it up. Let's see what happens. I've never read this before. That's the format of the show. You and I, dear audience, we're going to explore it together. Thanks to Danny. Let's go. I already thought I'd seen Hell on Earth, and that place was Manila Airport. I cannot, well, repeat how there I entered. So full was I of slumber at the moment. Good lord, last year I went to Crete on holiday for a week. And I came back. There's two airports there. I can't remember which one I took. But it was horrible. Horrible. I'm like, this is a European... Like, if I was in Manila, no offence, Manila, but I'd expect your airport to be, like, hot and busy and just... I don't know. Like, airports are in Southeast Asia. <laughs> they're, they're just busy and hot and not very well organised. It's like, if you go to, like... As I'm trying to... Switzerland. <laughs> it's going to be very organised. <laughs> and even, like, Prague Airport, super organised. Like, you're in and out. You go know exactly where to go. Everything happens very quickly. Well, whereas if I was in Manila Airport, I'd be like, oh, God. Well, as I was in Crete, and I was like, well, you know, I'm not that far from home. <laughs> How bad can this airport be? It was insane. It was like 30-something degrees inside, because I don't know why, but they don't have air conditioning. And then every no one knows where to go. There's people around, and be like, hey, do you know where this is? And they'll be like, I don't know. And it's like, well, you're wearing a bright yellow vest. Is it so insane that I would ask you? Like, they'd said it like, I don't know. It's like, the fuck, man? Come on. And then <laughs> I felt like such a Karen, but I was at like, we were waiting for the gate at the gate and it was just, there were insane number of people and my kids are going nuts, but there's a kid's corner, you know, where you can play. The kids can just like go and play. And I go in there and there's like 15 people on laptops, just sitting on little kids chairs and all over the place. And I'm like, okay, well, kids go in and play. And if you scream, ah, just go for it. Just go for it nuts you know i'm always always telling you to use your inside voice here feel free to just go mental you go as mental as you want <laughs> and all these people on laptops are like they're not looking at me because like you know like normally if they if you're in a coffee shop or something and you're not making an effort to like rein your kids in people will be like steady on like what's that come on do a good job because they know they're in the kids corner <laughs> what a disaster of an airport Midway upon the journey of my life, I found myself within a terminal, dark, for the straightforward path had been lost. There didn't appear to be an entrance nor an exit. It was more a case of just joining the throng of shuffling crowd and praying that fate would guide us all through the nine circles of the screening process. Oh my god, not to like bang on about like airports. <laughs> I went to Israel last year as well. 
And I got flagged as like some sort of terrorist because I looked it up online. Like when you go to Israel, they stick a little sticker on the back of your passport when you go through like pre-screening. And they were like, hello. Uh, and so I, uh, I, did it happen before I left? I think it happened before I left. Like they have this weird like El Al, the airline. They have this like weird little screening section at the airports before you get on the planes because they're worried about terrorism and stuff. And so they stick a sticker on my passport and it has a number on it. And I look this number up online and it's like I got graded a five out of six in terms of like risk. Potential terrorist is a terrorist. And so I get to the other side and it was all very easy. But then I leave and I am waiting. <laughs> I'm like, just, <laughs> I joined this really big queue and I asked the guy, like, am I in the right queue? And I show him my ticket. And he looks at my passport and he's like, Yeah, you're in the right queue. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. And it took forever. And I don't know how to say this. Oh, I know I do know how to say this. Let's just say that the Israeli airport security are absolutely racially profiling the shit out of everyone. Because it was me, about three other white dudes. Uh, how was it? <laughs> in the whole throng of crowds. It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> Uh, oh my, I, I think I, I looked up the reason I got shoved in there is because I'm like a non-Israeli single male traveler. Uh, the other people all got in there because they ain't white. It was like, it's pretty wild, dude. Like, I was like, this is okay. You guys are okay with this? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was an experience. And then I got to the security place. And they're like, all right, carry on then. And I'm like, wait, so what's... Why'd I have to wait in the huge queue? You didn't even, like, search in my butts or anything. <sighs> Jesus Christ. It was a place of lost souls and lost luggage and lost hope. I felt at one point that I was doomed to repeat the same checkpoints over and over again whilst missing out on some of the more important ones that were to guide me to the next levels of limbo. When I wasn't being asked to take my shoes off yet again... Or getting frisked by an angry man with a gun, I was being harassed by a grumpy staff member who told me that I hadn't filled in the necessary documentation, which they should have given me to a checkpoint that I had yet to visit. It came as great relief when I was finally guided into the hidden road and returned to the bright world. From thence I came forth to behold, re-behold the stars. Jesus Christ, Danny, what is this? <laughs> I feel like I'm reading the Bible, Danny. I also had a bad experience in my local branch of the Lucky Chicken House, but that's another story. But it would seem that whilst the hell on earth is indeed an airport, it's not the one in Manila. There are even more sinister forces bubbling beneath the surface of Denver International Airport in Colorado. I've been to Denver. Isn't that their mile-high city? I went there, it was really rainy and really cold the whole time I was, I was there for like, I think, two days. And I was just like, I'm just going to stay inside the hotel for most of this trip. It's just cold and miserable. <laughs> The largest airport in the West and the second largest airport on Earth after King Fahd International Airport in Saudi Arabia. Really? Denver? What the f is going on in Denver? <laughs> I assumed it would be like, I don't know, somewhere in China or Heathrow or JFK. Denver! It sits on 54 square miles of land and played host to over 69 million passengers in 2022. So it seems a strangely busy and conspicuous place to choose as the location for the secret headquarters of the New World Order. Yeah, it's very convenient though, because, I mean, if you're coming in for your secret New World Order meeting, there's nothing more convenient than having the meeting in the airport, is there? It'd be like, we'll just meet in the lounge. Be like, oh, perfect. Good. I don't even have to get, do I even have to go through customs? Cool. I'll just, that, that'd be very convenient.
Do people like are there meetings? Are there meeting rooms in airports where you can go without actually having to enter the country? That would be because then you wouldn't have to queue, you wouldn't have to get a visa, and you could have that face-to-face -face meeting that some people need. Does that exist? Can you fly? Like, I don't know. I've had to fly somewhere to sign, like, a contract or something. I don't know. <laughs> I've never had to do anything like this, but I assume it exists in, like, business that people have to meet for whatever reason, even though it's 2023. That, that seems like a good idea. Someone should get on that. How'd you get so smart? And it seems like an odd place to hide an underground labyrinth of mysterious tunnels which serve as both a prison camp run by our reptilian overlords and a nuclear bunker reserved for the world's elite following the planned mass extermination of the peasants. You know, the kind of people I'm talking about when I refer to the world's elite. Hillary Clinton, Bill Gates, Celine Dion, David Hasselhoff. But I doubt there's a ticket reserved for me or you in the ninth circle of hell. <laughs> what are you talking about, Danny? I've already got mine locked in. I got my Denver pass. <laughs> Ah, you might scoff at the very idea that the New World Order would plant their biggest secrets within one of the most hectic places in the world, but there's a whole raft of compelling evidence which suggests that the conspiracy theorists might be right about this one. Well, let's see, Danny. It's gonna I'm going to need a lot of convincing for this one, to be honest. It's there for anyone to see with their own eyes, and I'm not even talking about Photoshop trickery or fabricated anecdotes. Here are just some of the sights a passenger may have genuinely glimpsed over the last few years during their visit to an airport, which is often referred to as Area 52, a demonic sculpture which took inspiration from Frankenstein's monster by killing its own creator, heartwarming murals depicting dead children, soldiers in gas masks, and an imminent apocalypse. Well, also, if you're if you're creating like a secret bunker for the new world order you're not gonna like leave clues around the place you don't be like yeah maybe we'll just should we put up an image of dead children there so people know you know so they have suspicions like no pizza let's just not make it suspicious let's just try and make it as low-key as possible what the fuck, man who would think what, what how did you get into our club peter there's even a there's a runway layout shaped in the design of a swastika, a humanoid with a lizard's head patrolling the secret underground tunnels, and a talking gargoyle, which may have let the cat out of the bag when it proclaimed a startled passers-by. Welcome to Illuminati headquarters. Come on, people. This is far from normal. You don't get any of this sort of nonsense in Newquay Airport in Cornwall, and they're shooting satellites into space and losing them. So what's really going on at Denver International Airport? And will we ever find out the truth before the dawn of the apocalypse? Build me up, buttercup. Denver International Airport has been the subject of conspiracy theories ever since the 1960s, which is a bit odd, as they didn't even start building it until 1989. You do the math. Oh, no thanks. We're on vacation. You do the math. <laughs> conspiracy theories can't help themselves, can they? When the idea was first proposed, the main point of opposition seemed to be that Denver was already serviced by Stapleton International Airport, which had been running mighty fine since 1929. Just that's a good like that's a good catchphrase for them. Stapleton Airport, running fine since 1929. See? I could do that. Stapleton, give me a ring. Just 60 miles away from the site on which the replacement airport was destined to be built. Not only that, the Stapleton Airport had six runways, whereas the posed replacement would only have five. Why on earth would you tear down a perfectly good airport and then spend billions of dollars on building an inferior version with fewer runways and reduced capacity? It just didn't make sense from the start. Unless, of course... There's a devious ulterior motive behind the construction of this unnecessary monstrosity. 
Well, there was nothing particularly devious about the need to knock down Stapleton Airport and start breaking new grounds. The old airport had been gradually expanding since 1929 to the point where it was now bursting at the seams with zero scope for the vital further growth required to allow access for new airlines. There wasn't much further for the airport to stretch to, as they were largely boxed in by nearby communities who had a habit of filing lawsuits against the airport for noise pollution. Yeah, I mean, fair play, but you also do li- If you- If you bought the house before there was an airport there, or planned to be an airport there, I'm really sorry about that. If you bought the house afterwards, well, of course there's going to be noise. You're living next to a f***ing airport. What did you expect? <laughs> anyone, who, anyone who lives next to an airport complains about it. It's just left. <laughs> And never gonna come back. They don't unsubscribe for all my channels. I'm just joking. Of course, I've got sympathy for you. Not much because you bought the bloody house, didn't you? <laughs> We're going in circles. Let's carry on. The only realistic option left on the table was a potential extension into the Rocky Mountain Arsenal that was dropped following legal threats from the Adams County. As for those impressive six runways, they were configured in two sets of three parallel runways, which each crossed each other, so three could only ever be used at the same time. And the poorly designed runways were so close together that it made safe landings impossible during slightly inclement weather, leading to frequent long delays for frustrated passengers milling around a cramped airport and a chain reaction which disrupted travel on a national scale. I don't mind a delayed flight if I'm pottering around the airport. What I mind is when they get you all onto the f***ing plane, and then they're like, okay. We're just going to sit on the tarmac for now. Can I have a Coke? No, 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 we don't serve drinks until uh, we're up in the air. So we've been here an hour. Yeah, sorry, sir. <laughs> Please! <laughs> Please! <laughs> I'm so thirsty! You could begin to see why someone eventually figured out that the only way forward was to build a new, more efficient airport with proper runways and plenty of room for future expansion, far from any urban developments populated by annoyed residents eager to file their next lawsuit. But it took a while for the new airport to get off the ground. The idea was first put forward by Denver Mayor Bill McNichols in the late 1960s, but it wasn't until Frederico Peña was elected mayor in 1983 that the plans finally began to gather place. After several years of wrangling, he struck a deal with Adams County leaders to back a proposal to annex 54 square miles of land on the remote northeast town of Denver, miles away from even the most sensitive of urban ears. But the construction encountered a few unexpected bouts of turbulence along the way. It was originally announced that the Denver International Airport would be open for business in 1993, but it was delayed for 16 months. Well, that's not too bad, is it? I mean, I know it's a long time, but it's not that bad. I'm just renovating a house. Tell this story all the time. It's almost done. Bought it two years ago. <laughs> and I'm just renovating a house. <laughs> They're building an international airport. And when it finally opened to the public in February 1995, it was revealed that the total cost for the project had racked up to $4.8 billion. That's almost $2 billion over the original budget. <laughs> almost as much as I spent on my house. There were all kinds of excuses for the heavy delay and mushrooming budget. A cutting-edge underground automated baggage handling system had proved trickier to get working than first thought. More on that disaster in a moment. Or perhaps 10. It was also reported that progress had been hampered by bad weather, last-minute design changes, financial problems, and frequent contractual disputes which led to a constantly changing crew of contractors working on the project. And of course, those secret underground headquarters and prison camps and survival bunkers were never going to be particularly cheap, although at least the lizard guards were happy to accept payment in mealworm slugs and alfalfa sprouts. <laughs> Do people really think that because this airport overran on the time that it took to make, they that that 
that you're using the extra time to like build secret tunnels and shit yo check out my channel mega projects because all that shit always takes way longer than anyone says unless it's china in which case it happens much faster because china's insane not that the budget would be much of a problem anyway if the bill was being footed by the new world order one of the biggest conspiracy theories relating to denver airport is that it was all paid for by the new world order and constructed to their strict specifications and they've probably got a bob or two to spare the new world order is supposedly made up of an elite group of movers and shakers who one day plan to take over the world and create a single totalitarian global government but the slightly concerning element of their grand scheme is that they first plan to commit mass extermination by reducing the population to just two billion people on the grounds that a vastly reduced population would be a bit easier to control yeah it's not a bad idea is it we i could get behind this let's just do it <laughs> Sly variations on this theory suggest that Denver Airport was funded by the Illuminati. Isn't that the same thing as the New World Order? I'm going to learn something new today, aren't I? Originally a genuine secret society founded in 1776 in Bavaria to put an end to the machinations of the purveyors of injustice to control them without dominating them. Control and domination sound like very similar things, though, don't they? Isn't that a bit oxymoronic? Religious leaders allege that the society was entirely responsible for the French Revolution. But while the real group lasted just a few years before they were hounded out of existence, some believe that the Illuminati are still quietly going strong today, planting secret agents in governments and mighty corporations and lemonade stands in order to influence global events. Or it could be the Freemasons who work behind. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the only one we're missing are the Jews. First of all, I'm not white, I'm Jewish, and I have walked a very difficult road. Uh, so the Freemasons are all right behind Denver Airport. Dating back to the 13th century, the Guild of Stonemasons has long attracted its own share of conspiracy theories relating to plots to take over the world. The fraternal organization, made up entirely of independent grand lodges, certainly seems to be a bit weirder to the outsider with their private rituals and ceremonies and secret handshakes. Some, I think my granddad was a Freemason. I never met him. He died before I was born. But I think, like, my... Was it my grandma and my dad told me, like, after he died, they went through all his shit and found these, like, uh, like Freemasonry clothing or whatever. And I was like, okay. <laughs> cool. Some groups still impose a strict no-women policy. Oh, that's nice. On the lodge door, whilst their male members are required to profess belief in a supreme being or Masonic god. Oh, that's a shame. I mean, I'm down for, like, not letting the women in. <laughs> Get out! But you have to believe in God. I just can't get down with that. It does make you wonder why stonemasons can't just hold regular office parties or have bingo night or something. It does, doesn't it? Back when I was a postman, I don't recall having to perform secret rituals in the sorting office or being required to worship at the temple of the mailbox lord, occasionally offering up a postal sacrifice of some non-believer benefits. Of some non-believer's benefits check. I suppose there's no reason why the real entity behind the construction of the airport couldn't be a committee made up of various members of the New World Order. The Illuminati, Freemasons, and maybe a few reptilian overlords thrown into the mix for a good measure yeah and the nazis and the jews come on it's a committee which theoretically could include the likes of barack obama beyonce colin the concrete guy and son of godzilla but it's also a committee which has made a few indiscreet slip-ups or even purposefully planted a few clues as to the true purpose of denver international airport so it's time we had a good nosy around the place to see for ourselves what exactly is ringing so many alarm bells. So please remove your shoes, belts, watches, and pacemakers as we dive in for a deeper look at what Denver International Airport is hiding in plain sight. What the fuck? They're taking off all your shit. The shoes. Shoes are the worst because sometimes it's like you just be wandering along and you take off your shoes and it's good to go. Alec, put your shoes back on. You don't need to take your shoes off. And then you're in the airport two weeks later and they're like, why haven't you taken your shoes off yet? <laughs> Airports, get your shit together! Highway to hell. It has to be said that the very first thing that welcomes you to the airport as you make your way along 
Pena Boulevard is that it's pretty damn freaky. I'm not really sure what kind of sculpture I'd expect to see loitering outside the entrance of an airport. Maybe some kind of reassuring scene of a happy family in flip-flops and shades gazing upwards in wonder at the prospect of the thrilling yet perfectly safe journey ahead. Or a smiling pilot looking calm and relaxed in the cockpit as he flicks through a newspaper and takes another hearty swig from his hip flask. I'll tell you what I wouldn't expect to see, though. A sculpture of a massive demonic-rearing blue horse with surprisingly detailed private parts and satanic glowing red eyes that look as if they're about to shoot firebots at hell from you. Oh shit, this terrifying 32-foot sculpture is made from fiberglass and weighs in over 9,000 pounds. Although its official name is Blue Mustang, it's more commonly known by locals as Blucifer or Satan's Steed. I like Blucifer, that's a good name. And depending on your viewpoint, it's either a strangely sinister mascot for Denver International Airport or it's a cursed beast guarding the gateway to hell. It's tricky to pick out the weirdest thing about this resting, rearing Mustang. Should it really be blue? Why was so much attention paid to the generous genitals and prominent anus. And why do the neon red eyes of the horse light up at night to bathe passers-by in an eerie red glow? Actually, all these questions pale into insignificance when you hear Lucifer's darkest confession. He killed his own creator before he was even finished. Although Blue Mustang wasn't installed into 2008, it was originally commissioned back in 1992. Luis Jimenez was an American sculptor of Mexican descent who had grown up working in his father's neon sign shop. When first approached by the city of Denver to create an art installation for the new airport, he had originally proposed a structure of a buffalo stampede, but later settled on a rearing Mustang as a tribute to an earlier form of long-distance travel harking back to the days of the Wild West. Early design sketches reveal that Luis had been tinkering with the idea of sculpting a pink Mustang before settling on blue, possibly inspired by his own blue Rowan Appaloosa, which went, what the f is that? Is that some sort of horse? Which went by the name of Blackjack. But Luis didn't half take his time in delivering the goods. After a long chain of missed deadlines, the city gave up hope of ever having completed it and sued him for $165,000. Oh no, is the reason it's so creepy because he's like, f you, here's your shitty horse. And he's like, contract complete, give me my money, stop suing me, and uh, enjoy your demon horse. Yeah, I'm petty, I'll do that as well. Actually, I'll just meet the deadline because that's what I do. I just like work. I'll just, I'll just get done and get paid and be like, cool. 165 grand in the 90s? Yes, please. However, the continuing delays were to take a tragic turn when Blue Mustang turned on his creator. By 2006, Luis was 65 years old and been working on the sculpture for around 14 years. But that work came to an abrupt halt when a big section of the 9,000-pound sculpture fell on him and pinned him against a steel support beam, severing an artery on his leg. By the time he arrived in hospital, Luis Jimenez had already died from blood loss. Lucifer had claimed his first victim. Actually, Lucifer had claimed his only victim today, but that sounded quite dramatic, didn't it? Yeah, I was like, wait, he's killed more people? <laughs> How many people has this whole sculpture killed? None. Uh, one. Just one. And it was an accident. Lucifer didn't mean it. The sculpture was swiftly finished off in less than a couple of years by his sons, other family members, and friends. Maybe Louis should have roped them in from the start. He may have got it finished ten years earlier. The decision to complete the statue after the tragedy may have been inspired by a desire to honor the legacy of Luis Jimenez, or it may have been inspired by a desire to avoid the city of Denver asking for their money back after the artist's failure to deliver on a contract. It was only during these latter stages of development that the Mustang was given those eerie red glowing eyes, and this was just meant to be a tribute to the neon sign shops in Mexico, where Luis had first learned his craft when he was a kid. But 
Blucifer certainly attracted controversy after it was first installed in 2008, with some claiming that the sculpture was cursed. Others believe that Blucifer is intended to be the mode of transport used by the fourth horseman of the apocalypse from the Book of Revelation, and that the sculpture is a stark warning from Denver that the end of the world is nigh. It's just a sculptor. It's not like you found it buried in the desert and it's, you know, demonic or something. A dude literally made it not that long ago. There have, been, there have even been high-profile campaigns for the disturbing statue to be removed immediately, although some locals have threatened to chain themselves to Blue Mustang if that ever happens. I mean, I'm not against that, though. It does seem very creepy and inappropriate to have in an airport just a giant, like, blue horse with an impressive cock. Like, why? Why? Why is it so realistic? I have my doubts over whether Blue Mustang is likely to be straddled by the fourth horseman of the apocalypse at any point in the near future. But even so, it's an unusual choice of sculpture to be leading the charge into Denver International Airport, since I'm not convinced that any nervous passengers will have their fears allayed by the less-than-welcoming sight of a blue horse with giant balls fiercely gazing down at them with eyes of electric flame. Still. It could have been worse. They could have gone with an art installation featuring various bits of aircraft hanging in the trees of the Amazon rainforest. <laughs> I think what would be worse would just be like those f***ed up black boxes. You know, the, the bright the, the, like bright orange and yellow and stuff that they rescue from like plane crashes. <laughs> just to have a collection of those would be worse. Because <laughs> they're really messed up after the crash. They're all scratched and shit. And that's the one thing that has to survive. So you just, then it leaves just the the, what happened to the rest of the plane entirely to your imagination. Perhaps things perk up a bit when you actually get inside the airport, although that might depend on how much you like gargoyles. I don't mean of the talking variety, we'll come to those later. Wasn't thinking of the talking variety. But I mean the silent bronze variety, which are poking their grotesque heads out of bronze suitcases positioned above the east and west baggage claim areas. Some passengers have admitted to feeling a little perturbed about having such monstrous creatures looming over them menacingly as they're trying to sort out their baggage. All right, chill out, snowflakes. <laughs> it's just a sculpture. Just get your baggage and leave. What, are you going to hang out in the airport for extra time and, like, complain? Who's complaining about this? Shut the f*** up, you Karens. Could these agents be the devil of another blatant clue that unseen darker forces are lurking somewhere beneath Denver International Airport? I'll tell you what, Danny, the answer to that question's no! <laughs> Largely inspired by the breathtaking gargoyles on duty at Notre Dame in Paris, the sculptures were created by artist Terry Allen, who named his new artwork Notre Denver. Although the faces of the gargoyles may look a little disturbing, the horned demons were traditionally always on our side, and they were placed in churches and monasteries to ward off the baddie evil spirits. The idea behind the installation in the airport is to serve as friendly guardians over the passengers and ensure the safe arrival of their baggage. They're just there to be playful and fun, and at least you can't see their genitals or anus, which is nice. That's a nice relief. Otherwise, you'd be like, oh god, so much cock and arse in this in this Denver International Airport. Thought we just had enough with Bluesy. Uh, not Bluesy. What's his name? Blucifer. <laughs> I think we had enough. We saw Blucifer's cock. Do we have to look at the gargoyles as well? And they're like, no, you don't. And you're like, great, thank you. Under this horse's big blue nuts! However, it's a little more difficult to find quite so much fun in the nearby murals. Two giant 28-feet murals are sprawled across the east and west side of the baggage claims area, both of which were created by artist Leo Tanguma. And they have quite jolly names too. One of them is called In Peace and Harmony with Nature, whilst the other is called Children of the World Dream in Peace. I get the feeling that these are terrifying, right? I think Danny told me that they were terrifying. <laughs> 
Both murals are kind of split into two halves by access doors, and at least half of each mural is quite, quite uplifting. For example, one half of In Peace and Harmony with Nature depicts young, happy children dancing around a sunny landscape with frolicking animals of all breeds in what appears to be a joyous celebration of all things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful. <laughs> This is him. Daddy, you're getting carried away. But it's the second half of the same mural that punctures the mood just a little bit. This half depicts a scorched earth scattered with dead bodies and dead animals. In one panel, a weeping boy holds a dying squirrel in his hands while looking down at a young girl, maybe his sister, who is lying dead in a glass coffin. What the f***? Denver Airport. Why? I know it's got nothing to do with the Illuminati and shit, but why? Why would you have this? The gargoyles is like, I guess just gargoyles, fine. But like, the dead children in the paintings? What the f***? That's weird. Anyone still breathing in the mural is fleeing for their lives from the swelling flames of a planet finally boiling over with rage. It's all a bit grim. It's as if a TV production company decided to make a reboot of The Animals of Farthing Wood, but decided that it needed to go a bit darker than the original. And it seems to suggest to some observers that the mural is depicting an inevitable future of global destruction and mass extinction. I mean, and here you are in an airport about to do a very, very carbon dioxide heavy thing. You're just thinking, oh, maybe I should leave. Maybe I should have taken the bus. Still, the other half of the mural, Children of the World Dream in Peace, might cheer you up a bit as you're waiting to see how much of your baggage has gone missing. Here, we can see children of many different cultures coming together to lay down the weapons of their ancestors and celebrate a new era of mutual understanding under a glorious rainbow of peace. Hooray for the future of humanity! But the other half of this mural? Well, it's not so chirpy. Here we can see a soldier in a gas mask whose uniform bears a resemblance to that worn by the Nazis. He's brandishing both a machine gun and a sword. Busy boy. The latter of which he uses to slice up a dove of peace as terrified children cower helplessly beneath his feet. This half also recites a genuine bleak poem written by the Czech poet Hannes Hakenberg, who was murdered at the age of 14 in the Auschwitz concentration camp in 1943. What? Denver, why? <laughs> Throw in an image of what may be an American child clutching a teddy bear and working under instructions from a Nazi soldier, and this has led some theorists to speculate that this nightmarish mural represents an imminent genocide architected by the New World Order, during which America will have no choice but to submit to the rise rising of a new Nazi world power. Again, if you are the New World Order and you're like burying your secret base under the airport, you're not like, and your goal is like genocide, you're not like, should we paint a picture of that genocide and put it right above where we're having our secret base? So people think we have a secret base here. No, you wouldn't, would you? But perhaps it might help if we weren't looking at the whole thing backwards. The murals are meant to be absorbed in the order that a passenger would typically pass them from right to left. So in the first mural, In Peace and Harmony with Nature, we're supposed to be looking at children expressing despair over the current pollution of the planet and extinction of life. But it ends on a high note as humanity comes together to solve the problem and rehabilitate the Earth. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? New World Order looking out for us. Meanwhile, Children of the World Dream of Peace is meant to show a progress for a historic world that was gripped by brutal war to a future world that has discovered how to live in harmony. I mean, this is one thing I find really, really depressing. Like, I think about this too much. Not, not, I mean, it enters my mind more often than it should, which is that we're all like, oh yeah, look, definitely the world's so much more peaceful than it was before. And it's like, no, we've been here before. We just have huge wars. And then we have a period of peace where everyone's all chill and we're like, okay, let's not kill like 70 million of us again. <laughs> it wasn't a good time. And the bigger the thing, the longer the period of like chill afterward. And I just get the feeling that, you know, 
Hopefully I won't live through it. But then it's like, now I've got kids. What if they live through it? What if their kids live through it? What if my grandkids are living in it? And it's possible, you know, that, that there'll just be some other massive war again and everything will get destroyed. And that's, I don't know, I find that really a lot. It's all right there in Leo Tanguma's statement inscribed on a plaque beneath the piece, which reads that the mural is an expression of the artist's desire to abolish violence in society. Unless, of course, Leo Tanguma was paid off by the New World Order to say that I think old Leo is in the New World Order. I can't tell feeling that even when you've heard this more rational explanation for the mural designs, it does seem a bit macabre. Is this really the kind of thing that you want to be observing in an airport of all places? We've only been wandering for about 10 minutes, and so far we've seen a demonic horse from hell, a few leering gargoyles, and some pretty murals depicting Nazi soldiers with machine guns, the world on fire, and young dead girls in glass coffins. It is a bit weird, Denver. Like, this is all real. And, I mean, even if there's not the word New World Order beneath your airport, which there isn't, this is all still very weird. Who in their right minds would commission quite so many sinister installations to bombard the weary traveller as soon as they dare step foot, step foot in the airport of Dame? Well, the capstone of a time capsule inside the airport may reveal a few clues as to exactly which organisations were really piloting this enterprise time after time. When I hear of time capsules, I immediately think of the fiascos that were the Blue Peter time capsules. Oh, I don't remember this. Blue Peter. I loved Blue Peter as a kid. I had a Blue Peter badge. I had two Blue Peter badges as a kid. Because I'm such a legend. Blue Peter is a very British television show for children. And they have a dog. I don't remember much else about Blue Peter. <laughs> Mm. I guess we're going to learn a little bit more. Back in 1971, the jolly presenters of the long-running children's TV show Blue Peter buried a time capsule just outside BBC TV Centre with the intention of digging it up again on the very same show nearly 30 years later to honour the millennium. A 30-year wait might seem a tad ambitious considering the lifespan of typical children's TV show, but Blue Peter had been showing us things to make since 1958 and is still knocking around on the TV schedules today. Although it's not as big a deal today, and the glory days are long gone. Holy shit, they're still making Blue Peter? And what the f*** sort of name is Blue Peter? Now, I'm obviously far too young and tender to have been around when the time capsules were originally planted, but I was still very much aware of it, and it seemed like quite an exciting televisual moment when those three presenters from 1971 reunited in the year 2000 to dig up the capsule. I'm not sure why they were all so excited, really. This supposedly historic cache of goods chosen to represent 1971 amounted to little more than a selection of photographs of the presenters, a copy of the 1971 Blue Peter Annual, and a few decimal coins which had been introduced that year, and some of which were still in circulation in the year 2000. The good news is that none of the presenters had died in the interim, so it was a happy reunion. Yeah, it's 30 years, you're like, someone's gonna pop their clogs. <laughs> You'll be buried there, Cash. Like, I wonder which one of us dies. Like, statistically, probably one of us is gonna die, like car accident cancer, heart disease, one of those little f***s. <laughs> the bad news is that it was a massive anticlimax as most of the stuff inside was dripping wet and filthy. The presenters tried their best to mask the obvious crushing disappointment as they pulled out strangely brown items whilst wrinkling their noses in disgust and trying valiantly not to puke from the rancid smell, which was not entirely unlike rotting cheese. Wait, did they not put it in some sort of like airtight capsule? <laughs> like, what the f***, Blue Peter? You Where's your brains? Blue Peter didn't fare any better with the other time capsules that they planted over the years. A later capsule planted in 1981 was finally unearthed in 2021 after 40 years under the soil, but it was a similar story when it was discovered as the metal lining in the capsule had completely corroded and everything in the capsule was ruined. Um, how about when you're using these things, don't they make like non-corroding metals? There are metals that don't corrode, right? Like steel? 
to steel rust? Stainless steel to stainless steel rust? The stuff that doesn't rust, right? Why not bury in that shit? Or plastic? Perhaps Denver International Airport will have more luck with their own time capsule, which is on display near the south entrance, but is intended to remain sealed until the year 2094, a whole century after it was first put there. Dedicated to the people of Colorado, the capsule is said to contain such historic examples of 90s culture, such as a credit card, a baseball from the first Colorado Rockies game, a fistful of tokens from the Black Hawk Casino, and a viewer's guide to Beavis and Butthead. You need a viewer's guide to Beavis and Butthead? <laughs> uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are also said to be a few other little surprises tucked away in there for the benefit of any of us who might still be clinging on to life in 2094, assuming that we haven't all perished into the apocalypse by then. If you're watching this, what's the youngest person that could be watching this, like, realistically, and remember it? Ten? You shouldn't be, but if you're ten, could you live until 2094? Yeah, you reasonably could. Well, makes me feel old. <laughs> I'll be dead. I mean, I could live to 107. Come on, that's not too bad. But it's not so much the time capsule which has fueled further conspiracy theories, but rather the dedication marker which has been laid on top of it. The capstone contains intriguing inscriptions which reveal little more detail on the identities of the mysterious figures behind the airport project. The bottom of the capstone makes reference to the New World Airport Commission, an entity which does not actually exist, whilst further up the marker is an engraving of a Freemason symbol, accompanied by the description of the self-reclaimed most worshipful grand lodges which are responsible for laying the stone. If you, were, if you were making something that was designed to fuel conspiracy theories, this would be it, wouldn't it? We now have compelling proof that the concrete god-worshipping Freemasons were secret were making secret handshakes with the forces behind the airport since before the very first check-in. Not only that, but the date inscribed on the capstone 19th of March 1994 reveals another connection to the madcap rituals of the Freemasons. Conspiracy theorists have noted that if you add up the numbers that make up the date, 1 plus 9, 1 plus 9, and 9 plus 4, you end up with the number 33. Stop this. This numerology bullshit drives me potty. It's just a coincidence. It's like that number 28 or whatever the Jim Carrey movie, and he's like, I see 28 everywhere. And it's like, all right, Jim, chill out. It's just a number, Jim. It's just a number. It's not real, Jim. Except it was in the movie, right? Because it's a movie. But movies aren't real life. It's not real. In movies, there are ghosts and shit. This could be a reference to the 33rd degree, a supreme honor bestowed only on those who have demonstrated outstanding service to the Brotherhood. And it's pretty much the pinnacle of Freemason perfection. Meanwhile, it seems a bit baffling that an entity which does not officially exist, the New World Airport Commission, seems to be trying to take some of the credit for building the airport. Could this fictional organization be a not particularly subtle nod to the New World Order who are really pulling the strings alongside their wacky mates from the most worshipful Grand Lodges? The New World Airport Commission is actually quite challenging to explain with a definitive rational answer. Some have suggested that it's supposed to be a reference to the New World Symphony, an 1893 piece from Czech composer Antonin Dvorak, which later made it all the way to the moon thanks to its inclusion on Neil Armstrong's funky mixtape. There's a lot of Czechs in today's episode, isn't there? There's the guy who wrote the poem, there's Dvorak, like, okay. <laughs> but it's hard to see any real logic in that. It's more likely that it was just a very temporary name cobbled together to describe the various businesses and local politicians who put their hands in their pockets for the construction. Rather than describing an entity known as the New World Airport Commission, the name was probably meant to describe a group of people who were behind the newest world airport. Still, 
a bit strange to put such a vague and now meaningless name on top of a time capsule which was destined to hang around for a hundred years. The Freemason angle is a lot easier to explain. For starters, the whole date thing is clearly just a load of most worshipful bollocks. It just happens to be the date on which the time capsule was installed, and there are a whole bunch of different ways to add up the numbers and get different results which don't tie in with the 33rd degree. The sum we described earlier doesn't even take into account the month of the year. And as for the involvement of the Freemasons, while some have speculated that the capstone is proof of the guild's select secretive role behind the scenes, there's one point which seems to have been forgotten by many. The capstone was crafted by the Freemasons because this is exactly what stonemasons are supposed to be doing when they're not busy worshipping supreme beings. Oh yeah. <laughs> I did put that together. Okay, there we go. Done. Easy. Boom. Rational explanation. To the surprise of nobody. The airport has never denied that the capstone was created by the Freemasons, but they point out that it's not so extraordinary for Masons to do a bit of Masoning from time to time. Which I suppose is fair enough, isn't it? Incidentally, one further theory about the time capsule relates to a small braille tablet positioned just above the dedication marker which features the same Masonic symbol engraved on the capstone. Legend has it that if you move your fingers across the raised dots in a very specific sequence, you either open up a secret entrance to the mysterious tunnels below, or you release a toxic gas from the time capsule which kills everyone in the airport. And those things are um, definitely real things that would definitely happen. <laughs> I'm not entirely convinced by that one myself, no Danny, me neither. But according to one former employee of the airport, visiting members of the Freemasons have been known to discreetly take out their Masonic membership cards and swipe them across the braille tablet just to see if anything interesting happens. They're just curious. They'll be like, did someone in the did someone do this to this? It's like, boop. No, nothing, nothing. It's just a braille thing for blind people. Easy, done. Bit of a dangerous thing to experiment with if you're half expecting the release of toxic gas, but those Freemasons have a reputation for spicing up a party. And speaking of toxic stuff floating around in the air, a tiny mural, which probably gets missed by most passengers, is thought to be by some a stark warning of the imminent release of a deadly strain of hepatitis across the globe. Isn't hepatitis that thing on your lips? Is that hepatitis? <laughs> Wait, there's also... Wait, no, hepatitis. Is that the one with, like, types? Like, hepatitis A, B, and C. And hepatitis C is, like, that kills you. So it's like you go to the doctor, they're like, You've got hepatitis. Wait, do I have the lip thing or the liver thing, Doc? You've got the liver thing. Ah, oh, for God's sake! <laughs> is that... Oh, no, no, I read that wrong. It's the lip thing. A-OK. -okay. Oh, no, that's herpes. I knew it wasn't hepatitis. It's herpes. People are screaming that at the... Bloody headphones at home, aren't they, though? <laughs> Simon, you're thinking of herpes. It's herpes, Simon, you dum-dum. You didn't even have herpes, and I said that you did. Oh, I'm surprisingly sweaty right now. It's very hot today, and I just got a delivery of some large studio equipment. Like, you didn't see it, but there was a break in this video when the UPS man came, and I had to go upstairs and then lug all of this stuff down. And now, I've, now I'm quite shiny and sweaty. It's quite unpleasant. I'll try and get through it. <laughs> You have to look hard to find it. The mural can be seen in a single small tile on the floor right next to Leo Tenguma's mammoth tribute to the genocide and dead squirrels. The simple design depicts a mining cart alongside the letters AUAG. Isn't that golden lead? Golden lead? AU? AU? No, lead is PB. AU? AG? It's like. One of them's gold, isn't it? Isn't gold like AG? 
and AU silver and gold maybe it's an abbreviation for Australian antigen a strain of hepatitis uh, which could potentially be used as a biological weapon in the wrong hands oh yeah my bad it's actually that that's what I meant <laughs> the mural is clearly prophesizing the use of Australian antigen as the latest stage in biological warfare overseen by the new world order to trim down the population a bit they'll even probably release the strain from the airport itself those cheeky scoundrels but here's a further little coincidence to chew over Australian antigen was first isolated by the American Nobel Prize winner Barack S. Bloomberg who is also widely rumored to have been a major investor in the construction of the airport. Could Barack be dishing up a tantalizing clue as to how he plans to exterminate us all? No, because Nobel Prize winners are smart enough not to leave clues. They're just, they just are. It's like that every, you know, every spy movie or whatever, they're like, well, now that I've got you on the table, Mr. Bond, I might as well tell you my entire plan. And it's like, no, real bad guys don't do that. They just kill you because they're like, well, what if you escape? <laughs> then you'll know the plan and then look what happens mr bond escapes well very probably not for starters although some people abbreviate australian antigens at auag it's more commonly known by its scientific abbreviation of hbsag and it would be a pretty lame choice for the new world order to unleash as a deadly biological weapon as an effective vaccine for the strain was developed as far back as the early 1980s maybe the mining cart in the mural presents a clue as to what the rural really represents the tile is just one segment of a wider floor mural presented in traditional native american designs which depict the four rivers of colorado's great divide but this tile particularly is a nod to the rich mining history of colorado and the letters auag are the atomic symbols for silver and gold boom i haven't thought about that since i must have been like 13 and i can't believe i actually remembered those it took us a little while but i remembered them eventually and also PB being led. Uh, they're just the atomic symbols for the silver and gold that have been mined there since the 19th century. That would make more sense, wouldn't it? It deed, indeed it would. The conspiracy theory might have made sense if the letters had been accompanied by a picture of a dead kangaroo or something, but I think the mining cart really gave the game away on this one. We don't need this fascist groove thing. Some of these conspiracy theories may have been bordering on the ever so slightly tenuous. <laughs> oh, really, Danny? They were, were they? But here's something that is staring even the most hard-nosed cynic in the face. When viewed from above, the layout of the airport's runway resembles a giant Nazi swastika. Well, it's not an absolutely perfect resemblance, I'll grant you that. It's a bit lumpy and misshapen and appears to have an extra leg. Some have suggested that it resembles more of a pinwheel shape, whilst one sharp eye observer notes that it looks like someone has tried to create a picture of a swastika on an etch-a-sketch after a few too many disco biscuits. But there's no denying that it still looks like a swastika from aerial views, and that surely must have been intentional. I doubt it. No one's, like, intentionally making swastika symbols. I mean, unless they're a Nazi, and I don't think this was made by Nazis, was it? And if, and if it was, they'd be like, well, let's not make it obvious that it was made by Nazis. Okay. <laughs> it's yet another subtle indicator of the rise of a new Nazi world power, the seeds of which are being planted right now in this secret hub of operations masquerading as a fancy airport. This kind of thing can't just be a mirthsome accident. Am I right? Well, as we discussed near the beginning, a big part of the reasoning for replacing the old Stapleton Airport in the first place is because the poorly designed parallel runways limited the number of aircraft that could take off at the same time, and everything ground to a crushing halt at the first sign of a spot of rain. In contrast, the new runways at Denver are more cleverly spread out across, a perped across perpendicular planes, which ensures that flights can take off simultaneously without risk of getting in each other's way, even during Denver's notoriously high winds and also allowing for the addition of new runways in the future. Oh, is Denver called the Windy City? I feel like that's right. So where the f**k's the Mile High City? Is that Denver as well? The downside to this is that the layout does look a bit like a swastika from above, but it was a design built on the concept of maximum efficiency and scope for future expansion. 
<laughs> Funnily enough, also shit the Nazis liked, rather than a deliberate attempt to create an aerial view of a hate symbol for shits and giggles. Calling occupants of an interplanetary craft. The biggest mystery of all, lurking deep beneath the surface of Denver International Airport, is hiding in that secret network of tunnels which are strictly off-limits to the prying public. Some of you may have already guessed that these have got something to do with the failed automated underground baggage system that we mentioned, but it would appear that this doesn't adequately explain the whole mystery. Yo, like some secret underground base for all the rich people to go and hide in after the end of the world. It's gonna have to be a lot bigger than some like random baggage carousel. We'll return to the tunnels in a moment, but I just wanted to very quickly rattle through a couple of other outstanding conspiracy theories that we haven't covered yet. We're not, we've not talked much about aliens, which is surprising, as alien language is scattered all across the floor. Well, maybe not the entirety of the floor, it appears in a single mosaic, and the phrase Dies it dit guy. Now, it might not necessarily be the words of an alien language pointing to the presence of an alien based beneath the airport. It could just be words from a secret language cooked up by the New World Order who have now taken to communicating with each other via the medium of floor mosaic. <laughs> then again, a little more digging reveals that zit did guy are actually words from the Navajo language spoken by the largest federally recognized tribe in the United States, and they roughly translate as the mountain that is white, rather than anything more sinister like resistance is useless human scum. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, okay then, but what about the alien connections of close encounters of the third kind? In Steven Spielberg's classic 1977 movie, the aliens communicate a set of coordinates to the humans. W104-4430, N403610. These are like coordinates, but I don't know how to read them. It's like west and then north, 40 degrees, 36 minutes, 10 seconds. Is that is that how you read that? which correspond to where their craft will be touching down for a selfie opportunity in Devil's Tower near Moorcroft, Wyoming. It's a little puzzling as why Spielberg didn't use the genuine coordinates for Devil's Tower, but it's believed that the coordinates referenced in the movie actually correspond to the exact location of Denver International Airport. Um, it's believed they do? Well, I get, tell you what, that's something you can immediately look up. Just punch them into Google and it'll tell you. Well, hang on, let me get my spinning head around this one. What this clearly means is that in 1977, Steven Spielberg, who's, let's face it, probably is a member of the New World Order, I mean, look at that beard, damn right, became aware of the coordinates of the past or future landing spot of visiting extraterrestrials, and these just happened to match the remote location on which it was decided to build Denver International Airport. In order to not arouse much suspicion, Spielberg changed the venue to Devil's Tower in the movie while still keeping the real coordinates in there for anyone to check at their leisure. As far as close encounters go, this one is pretty wide of the mark. To be precise, it's about 51 miles wide of the mark, which might not seem that big in the grand scheme of things, but it's a long walk for UFO spotters who pitched up on the wrong site with their binoculars and flasks of weak lemon drink. In real life, those coordinates point to neither Devil's Tower nor Denver International Airport. They actually just point to a largely empty field about 51 miles northwest of the airport. Still, a largely empty field makes a perfect spot for a discreet flying saucer landing. Alright, so those theories were bordering on the bizarre and perhaps slightly lunatic. Lunatical. Lunatic? Slightly lunat. Lu Danny's written lunatic, perhaps slightly lunatic. I would say perhaps slightly loony? Lunatical? <laughs> but before we hit the tunnels, let's look at a slightly more rational one that doesn't involve the aliens. Too much. 
Did you know that in 2007, the windscreens of no less than 14 different aircraft at Denver all shattered simultaneously? It's absolutely true, and it does sound a bit freaky to me. This led to speculation that the aircraft were caught up in some kind of military or alien experiment, and that the windscreens were shattered by mysterious electromagnetic pulses from above or below. The slightly less interesting reality all boils down to that volatile Colorado weather again. On that day, Denver was hit by particularly strong winds, which hurled rocks and stones all over the place, simultaneously damaging 14 of the windscreens of the unfortunate planes that had either just landed or just tried to take off or had been waiting at the gate. <laughs> I mean, much more, it's like they're taking off and they oh, no, it's so windy in here, go pilot! Land, land, land! I can't see! It's too windy! Ah, oh, that'd be terrifying. Apparently, cracked windscreens on cars are a regular hazard in the Denver area whenever a strong wind starts breathing around the arid, rocky landscape, and not many aggrieved drivers immediately start suspecting that it must have something to do with electromagnetic pulses. Besides, electromagnetic pulses aren't even capable of shattering glass, which kind of blows that theory right out of the water. Yeah, I mean, I'm like thinking electromagnetics is going to have to be metal in there somewhere, and there's not. It's glass, isn't it? Hi-ho! So... It's finally come time to venture down into those tunnels to see exactly what the New World Order are hiding down there. But, oh, oh, but if only we were allowed to access this secret underground lair. They're more than happy for you to enjoy the taunting carnival of nightmares on show above ground, but taking a trip downstairs is harder than bagging the 33rd degree from the Supreme Council of Freemasons. <laughs> Freemasonry's weird, isn't it? Well, like, why is it the 33rd degree? It sounds a bit Scientology-ish, doesn't it? The airport freely admits that there are several subterranean levels lurking beneath the surface, although we don't know for sure how deep they run. Details of the length and width are also a bit vague, although it's often reported that the labyrinth of tunnels stretch for at least 470,000 square feet. Jesus Christ, that's an enormous... Spe I'm just, like, calculating that square meters. It's, what, 50,000 square meters? God damn! And if that's true, it's a staggeringly huge area to excavate. I mean, it's always handy for architectural plans, leave a bit of space for a boiler room, but how big a boiler room are you really going to need? The sheer immense scope of this vast underground project must have raised a few quizzical snorts from the ever-rotating construction workers, but it's argued that the very reason they were rotated is to avoid one of them ever seeing the full picture. One group of workers may have assumed that they were developing an unusually secure lunchtime ping-pong room for lucky airline employees, while several layers beneath and miles in the other direction, another group of workers believed they were building the exact same thing. So why would an airport need such a large wine cellar, and what breed of creature can be found there down there today? I think it's just like service tunnels. It's like, of course, you, if you go to the airport, I, I don't know if it's the majority, but a lot of it is just behind the scenes. It's just like back rooms and stuff. Like, I, I'm always like when you work in like a store or something or in like a supermarket, it's like the, the storefront, even though it seems big, it's like the warehouse out back is big and then there's offices and there's a break room and there's a toilets and there's a huge space back there that no one sees and i think like in a huge airport what the second biggest airport in the world or whatever of course there's gonna be like like lots of service tunnels and shit one theory is that these tunnels are home to the shape-shifting lizard people who plan to take over the world although if they were good at shape-shifting you would wonder why they didn't just take on the form of humans and lounge about in the cafes above grounds well maybe being in human form is stressful for them danny did you think about that danny at least one such lizard person has indeed been spotted and photographed sneaking around in the tunnels, but we'll return to him in a moment. 
Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. A far more popular theory is that tunnels lead to a doomsday bunker, or a Noah's Ark, if you will, in which the elite of the world's population, including politicians, <laughs> the elite, business leaders, and KFC employees, now we're talking, will safely retreat following either a global catastrophe or a planned population call carried out by the agents of the New World Order. Some suggest that the bunker is located directly underneath the airport, whilst others have speculated that the tunnels are merely a gateway to North American Aerospace Defense Command, where genuine survival bunkers are known to exist underneath the Cheyenne Mountain Complex. The latter theory sounds like a bit of a stretch, as the airport and the Cheyenne Mountain Complex are separated by around 120 miles. That is an enormous underground tunnel if you're thinking of connecting those. I mean, there could be a whole underground railway thing going on, but you'd think it'd be easier for the chosen ones to just meet up for registration outside the mountain complex rather than setting up the initial assembly point 120 miles away underground a bustling airport yeah you would wouldn't you just be like sharp at shire mountain it's not exactly a secret what goes on inside i'm sure is a big secret maybe the stargate program something like that but like it's not what well, <laughs> 120 mile tunnel is really big is what i'm trying to say it's very expensive to dig that if the tunnels are linked in any way to a top-secret doomsday bunker, it would seem more logical for such a bunker to be hidden away underneath the airport rather than those tunnels just forging a very long-winded path to a bunker in the far distance that we already know about. Maybe that's why President Obama decided to go and hide in Denver International Airport when he thought the world was going to end. Yes, according to some admittedly woefully misinformed conspiracy theorists. <laughs> so, yes, according to some people who don't know what they're talking about, Obama was concerned that Comet Elenin was going to crash into the Earth on the 16th of October 2011, sparking a giant catastrophe that would culminate with the planet Nibiru emerging from the celestial heavens to herald the dawn of Armageddon. What the f***? How much crack did you smoke before coming up with this? It's as a wonder that Obama chose to be in Denver on that day, supposedly on official business, but more likely just a bag a good spot in the underground bunker and check if the vending machines are going to get him and his crony through the next few years a post-apocalyptic oblivion. There's not much theory to cling on to here, though. Quite aside from the fact that the planet Nibiru doesn't exist, Elenin was a largely insignificant little cloud comet which missed the Earth by, wait for it, 22 million miles, and quickly broke up into chunks of ice and dust. Oh, and just a little bit of digging reveals that Obama wasn't even in Denver on that day. He was in Washington, D.C., attending a dedication ceremony for Martin Luther, Luther King Jr. There's a bigger fuzzy dust cloud surrounding the idea of the legendary five buried buildings. According to the widely circulated claims of a whistleblower who supposedly worked on the construction, a total of five massive multi-story buildings were built very early on in the process, but then someone high up in the chain suddenly decided that they weren't quite right and needed to go. Instead of demolishing the failed buildings, as you might reasonably expect, the order was 
given just to bury them under the airport, leading to suspicions that the buildings were always intended to be sealed underground to serve as shopping malls and private gyms and waffle houses for the chosen survivors. Oh my god, this just sounds like this just sounds like someone's fallen way too deep into like conspiracy Reddit. Reddit. Not being a construction worker myself, I'm not sure he'd go about burying five massive buildings. An interesting point is that Denver International Airport doesn't even appear to have officially denied their existence. Yeah, when you deny something's existence, you acknowledge that it's there. It's like most of the time, it's just better to just shut the f up. Just be like, no, no, I'm not even going to address this because it's stupid. And then eventually people shut up, or they don't, or they just go into the depths of Reddit to talk to each other about nonsense, and no one cares. Except for me, apparently. It makes an entire like hour-long episode about this stuff, but <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Oh, shit, buddy, I gotta dig a little deeper. But the testimony from the whistleblower, who also claims to have witnessed the construction of bunker entrances, is a little dubious, as he or she never appears to have given their name, and it's never been proven if they were ever involved in the construction at all. So it could potentially be on about the same level as credibility as all the other stories dished from anonymous Reddit users claiming to be former employees who lost their jobs after taking a wrong turn downstairs and accidentally stumbling into a magical underground kingdom populated by little green men riding around on hoverboards. Another point that the airport never seems to have bothered to deny or debunk relates to the size of the six fuel tanks that are scattered around the outskirts of the main site. The airport actually seems quite proud of their mighty fueling system, noting that it's capable of pumping a thousand gallons of jet fuel per minute through a 28-mile network of pipes. Each of the six fuel farms holds 65,000 barrels. That's 2.73 million gallons of jet fuel. Um, okay, I'm going to just take a wild guess here. Like, why would all that jet fuel be hanging out around an airport? I wonder why. Maybe it's because it's a f***ing airport. That's all fine and dandy, but why would you need quite so much? I don't know. Jets, they, they burn a lot of fuel, Danny. The tanks hold at least 40% more fuel than any other airport, including King Fahd International Airport in Saudi Arabia, the biggest airport in the world. Or maybe because they have to take jet fuel a bit further to Denver than they have to take it to Saudi Arabia. Some might say that the tanks are holding a frankly absurd amount of fuel for the needs of any commercial airport, unless, of course, the tanks are doubling as a power source for the underground bunkers to ensure that the Armageddon disco hall doesn't get plunged into darkness on opening night. Yo. If you're building a like giant underground bunker system for everyone to run away to, you might want to bury your fuel as well. Because if you just leave it on the surface, it's all going to get destroyed. Did, did, did you not think of this? I would hazard a guess that in line with pretty much everything else at Denver International Airport, the idea was just to go for the supersize option so that it could serve as an effectively greatly expanded airport in the distant future. Or maybe they just took advantage of an unmissable buy four fuel tanks, get two free deal. To try and make sense of what we do know for sure about the partial purpose of the underground network of tunnels, we need to look back at the disaster that was the automated baggage system. This was supposed to be the dog's bollocks. In a plot to improve efficiency and eradicate any scope for errors from foolish humans, the plan had been to construct an entirely computerized baggage handling system which silently ran like clockwork in the bowels of the airport. That actually sounds amazing. From the moment your baggage was checked in, it would be placed onto an underground voyage of carts and conveyor belts, where it would be moved along miles and miles of twisting underground track, rolling smoothly from checking counters and, and from plane to plane until it was ready to cruise to its final destination at the baggage claim area. This was all natural. <laughs> I'm just realizing, is this not automated? Like, I know there's the people who like grab the, the, the bags from the planes, right? They take them off in those big carrying things. I have to say, I assumed that those carrying things went into some big machine and then that would go through some other machine to arrive in the baggage collection area. You're telling me people are, like, carrying this shit? On, like, trolleys and stuff? <laughs> I assumed as soon as they got off the plane and got into the airport, it was all automated. 
Is it not? This was naturally going to cost a fortune to implement, but it was going to be worth it in the long haul when the revolutionary system was up and running. Unfortunately, it ran into several teething problems, which were destined to play a huge part in the airport's ever-ballooning budget and the continual delays to the opening date. By 1994, the airport was finally confident enough in the new state-of-the-art system to provide an exciting demonstration to the media of all of how baggage would be handled in the thrilling airport of tomorrow. However, tomorrow looked a bit more shambolic than you might have expected. The press reporters sat back and chuckled as they watched a comedy demonstration of technology gone bad. As the carts whizzed merrily along the conveyor belts, they continually spat out their loads onto the floor, collided into each other, or came careening off the tracks, resulting in a chaotic scene of empty carts, flying luggage, and discarded underwear strewn across the underbelly of Denver. Did you not test it before you invited the press? <laughs> if I was inviting the press to look at my glorious new invention, I'd make ensure that that invention worked quickly and perfectly and every time. I mean, even EasyJet does a better job of taking care of your luggage than this. The public embarrassment led to another frustrating, expensive pushback on the opening day. And whilst a smaller and simplified version of the automatic baggage system did eventually swing into operation, this light at the end of the tunnel was continually dimmed by maintenance issues until the plug had been pulled on the whole thing. By 2005. But that still doesn't resolve the entire mystery of the underground labyrinth. The failed baggage system of the future still only really accounts for a relatively small amount of the space that is reported to have been excavated and is unlikely to have dragged across every inch of every subterranean level. The airport's official start is that baggage is still very much at the heart of what's going on beneath the surface, but instead of relying on rogue technology, the humans have wrestled back control to deal with the baggage in a slightly more traditional manner. They claim that over a thousand employees work in the underground spaces, which only extend to the perimeter of the airport rather than all the way to Cheyenne Mountain. <laughs> Be like, Bob, where's that tunnel go? Oh, about 100 miles. Cheyenne Mountain. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Can those little electronic, um, you know, those carts that whisk you around an airport, can they even go 100 miles? There's no f***ing shot. The majority of these workers are manually ferrying luggage through the tunnels, although there are other things going on down there, so really people do do this. It's actually people down there, not robots. Okay. Apparently, some of the tunnels are used for workshop areas, printing facilities, and storage space. You're also likely to see miles and miles of plumbing and electrical cabling, uh, which would have looked a bit messy upstairs. I've not heard anyone mention a private employee's bar down there yet, but I would have voted for that. After a hard day's moving luggage, it might have been nice for the employees to celebrate the end of another dark shift by popping into the world's end for a refreshing lounge lizard cocktail. From 2016, the airport has even attempted to prove that there's nothing too shady going on down there by holding occasional guided doors for reporters and curious members of the public. That would be fun. I'd love to do that. Going behind the scenes at an airport? I find that shit fascinating. I went behind the scenes at the uh, the underground here in Prague, and it was amazing. You got to see where all the trains go once they reach the end of the line, and like these secret platforms and stuff. It was great. It was during one such special tour that a humanoid with a lizard's head was spotted scuttling across the tunnels, and subsequent undoctored photos were enough to send conspiracy theorists into nuclear meltdown. However, it turned out to be a very human employee in a lizard mask who was just larking about. It apparently isn't that uncommon for more mischievous workers to pull pranks like this on unsuspecting visitors or new employees who are still learning the ropes and finding their webbed feet. Putting aside these comedy stunts, the relative small number of people who have been lucky enough to get a guided tour have usually reported back that there was no sign of suspicious activity in the tunnels. All the plumbing and electrical installations appeared to come to a natural stop at the lowest level that they were supposed to see, indicating that it's highly unlikely that there were deeper levels. 
But they still weren't allowed to see every single nook and cranny. Media relations chief Heath Montgomery explained to Thrillist, Even when we take reporters or TV crews into the secured parts of the building, you can't take people everywhere. It's either not safe or there's a security reason. So no matter what, there's always something you can't show somebody, and that doesn't help the case. That does kind of make the whole guided tour thing seem a little bit pointless if the secret passageways to the underground bunkers and alien prison camps are deemed off-limits for security reasons. Perhaps what we really want to see are the architect's blueprints for the entire airport. Yeah, that'd be cool. Why can't we see those? I guess maybe because of terrorism and something? But that'd be cool. It's rumored that these are stashed away in the time capsule that will remain sealed until the year 2094. Let's hope they don't go the way of Blue Peter. In the meantime, I suppose we can't definitely disprove the idea that Denver International Airport is sitting on a big secret. Just like I can't disprove the idea that I'm operating a lucrative gold mine beneath my house which is staffed by mutated laboratory experiments. Yeah. That's the, that's the problem with trying to prove a negative, isn't it? I can show you around my house and point you in the direction of the cellar, but unless you're given the freedom to smash everything to bits with a sledgehammer, you're probably still going to suspect that I'm hiding something. Governments around the world have been known to hide secret military installations underground, and it's not entirely out of the question that the US may have decided that all that space underneath the airport would be a handy spot to hide something useful. It might even be the case that the whole automated underground baggage system was a giant red herring which was never designed to work. It was only meant to serve as a smoke screen to deflect attention away from from the true purpose of the network of tunnels. Yeah, that's that's vaguely possible. I find it extremely unlikely, but it's like it's not it's not lizard people. It's not the like secret bunker for the end of the world. But if the military wanted to hide something down there, yeah, maybe vanishingly unlikely, but more likely than lizards. People, lizard people, I mean, there's probably lizards down there. I'm not saying that this is a likely scenario. I'm not saying the military would necessarily be hiding anything particularly sinister or apocalyptic. I'm just saying that such an idea might not be so massively outlandish or unthinkable, although I still think there must be far less conspicuous places to bury a secret than underneath the biggest airport in the world. Second biggest airport in the world. Sorry, I forgot about that Faid one or whatever. But I'm pretty sure we can conclusively rule out any suggestion that the airport is serving as a secret headquarters for either the New World Order, the Illuminati, the Freemasons, or the Jaffa Cake Fan Club. Very niche British reference there, Danny. I do like Jaffa Cakes. They're these weird, like, orange cakey biscuits with chocolate on top. Very good. Most of the dubious theories seem to just cl be clumsily stitching together a series of almost comical misunderstandings of artworks, abbreviations, symbols, and language. I'll admit that some of the art installations are weirdly dark in tone for an airport, but it's a massive leap to assume that a few unusual art choices are clearly heralding the imminent rise of a new Nazi world power. And while a runway layout that resembles a wonky swastika from above might be considered a tad unfortunate, I would not have thought that the pressing priority during the design phase was to create highly efficient runways rather than just trying to shape them into a swastika and keeping all fingers crossed that the planes didn't constantly crash into each other every day. And why would the New World Order dish up such a big clue anyway? Exactly! They don't give clues! If they've got some secret base somewhere, you don't know where it is, because they're the New World Order. Big brains. If I've just spent billions of dollars hiding a doomsday bunker in a location which must be kept secret at all costs, the last thing I'd want to do is scatter a trail of fun clues across the entire airport to see how many people could figure out what I'm up to. It's If that's really how the New World Order goes about trying to keep a secret, then they're all as doomed as the rest of humanity, and I'd cancel my subscription. Epilogue. The last laugh. Now. Although we might associate Denver International Airport with a gruesome gallery of grim imagery, more recent years have also revealed a fiendish sense of humor running through the rudders. And we're not just talking about naughty employees sneaking around in lizard masks. No, no, no. We're talking about playful chuckling that can be traced all the way to the head office. 
Now you might remember near the top of this video that we mentioned a talking gargoyle who appeared to be welcoming passengers to Illuminati headquarters. Has someone gone and put a speaker in there just to mess with people? That's kind of funny. But this wasn't just a slip of the forked tongue, oh no. It was one of the many little stunts orchestrated by Senior Vice President of Communications Stacey Stegman. When Stacey first joined the crew in 2012, she decided that Denver International Airport would stop fighting against the rumors and conspiracy theories with such lame tools as truth and logic. Instead of getting all stuffy about it, why not just embrace the strangeness and have a little bit of fun? You could initially see traces of the humor peeking through the official website, which went to great lengths to debunk some of the wilder conspiracy theorists before cheerfully admitting our underground tunnels lead to the secret meeting facilities for the world's elite. Yield to the aliens. That really went on the website. That is so cool. I like it when corporations around like this in like a non-cringy way. It's a fine line, isn't it? But this is definitely not cringy, and I like it. During relatively recent construction work, signs were positioned around the airport which invited passengers to guess the reason why some parts of the airport had been temporarily closed. You were given multiple choice answers. What are we doing here? One of the signs asked. A. Adding amazing new restaurants and bars. B. Building an Illuminati headquarters. Or C. Remodeling the lizard people's lair. But Stacey Stegman really ramped up the weird in 2018 when she oversaw a marketing campaign which was rooted entirely in the myths and legends of Denver Airport. The ads joked about building breeding grounds for gargoyles and meeting halls for Freemasons, whilst one in particular depicted red laser beams shooting from the eyes of Lucifer while pondering, are we creating the world's greatest airport or preparing for the end of the world? Despite the fact that there was barely any mention of what a passenger might typically expect to experience during their visit to the airport, the campaign was reported to have pulled in millions of dollars worth of revenue. Does do, do airports need to advertise? I'm not like going to an airport because they advertise. I'm going to an airport because that's where my flight connects. Like, it's like, oh yeah, well, okay. That's the airport I'm going to because that's the time the flight is. I mean, there's airports I won't go to because they're too far away. But it's not like, oh yeah, no, I saw that advertising campaign and I do want to drive the extra hour to go to that airport instead, which is much less convenient. No, why do airports need to advertise? What's going on? The following year, Denver International Airport solemnly declared that it had become Supernatural Sisters Airports with none other than Roswell International Air Center. The official agreement... Dear listeners, this episode has been interrupted like six times by various phone calls, which you don't really get to see because I'm like those get edited out but my dentist just phones me it's like hi mr whistler and i'm like hello <laughs> and they're like well we're just calling from the dental office um confirming that you've got an appointment at nine o'clock tomorrow and i'm like yeah i know and they're like so you will come to the appointment tomorrow and it's like yes okay thank you goodbye it's like bro <laughs> why do you need to call me to remind me it's not necessary i know i have a dental appointment <sighs> Let's see if we can get through the last page without being interrupted. Not all of Stacy's schemes came to fruition, though. The proposal to decorate the whole of the airport exterior in crop circles sounded good on paper, but was ultimately deemed to be far too expensive. And whilst the installation of a talking animatronic gargoyle in 2019 proved to be a big hit with some passengers, it didn't go down with everyone. Down well with everyone, especially the Karens, you know. The creaky gargoyle named Greg, short for a Gregor Gregoridan would randomly spring to life every now and then and heartily welcome everyone to the Illuminati headquarters. From time to time, he would also make che cheeky comments on the passengers wandering by or deliver an occasional golden nugget of gargoyle philosophy. But some people found it a little too creepy, while others complained that it felt satanic and was scaring the children. I suspect the children were actually enjoying it far more than some of the spoil sport adults, but the decision was eventually taken to replace Greg with a much more subdued gargoyle, who wasn't so keen on striking up a friendly chat. Sadly, the airport seems to have dulled back on the kooky marketing over the last couple of years 
years, partly over fears that some of these New World Order and Lizard People conspiracy theorists are now judged by some to be anti-Semitic. Okay, <laughs> I get back to earlier theories that Jewish people were secretly controlling the world's banks and media. Guys, it's just a joke. Relax. But it was fun while it lasted, and it was refreshing to see a mighty corporation actually lean into silliness, rather than getting all poo-faced about it. Or is that just what they want us to believe? We might have been looking at this all wrong. You have to admit that it would be a pretty clever move to rip the credibility out of a real conspiracy, at risk of being exposed, by constantly just banging on about it, planting a trail of red herrings all over the place, which are easily debugged, and then ridiculing anyone who's silly enough to actually take it seriously. Or maybe that's not quite clever enough. Perhaps the real conspiracy here was the fabrication and fueling of all of those New World Order theories by the City and Council of Denver, itself in a bid to deflect attention away from the fact that the project went billions of dollars over budget. If everyone is getting busy gassing on about lizard people and nuclear bunkers and cursed, demonic horses, then you won't have to feel too many awkward questions as to why so much money was pissed away on things that never worked. I'm not sure that cooking up so many bizarre theories would have been worth all the effort for the City and the Council of Denver, though. I mean, ambitious construction projects go way over budget all the time. It's expected. Most rational people would just accept it and move on. It's not like it's the end of the world. I did it without any more calls coming in. We finished the video. It's so hot. I need to go and, like, not be in front of these lights. I'm cooking. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, leave a review. If you're on YouTube, like and subscribe, and I'll see you next time. We finally did it, guys. We did Denver. Denver International Airport. Done. Lockdown. It's not real. It's decoded. truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.